teenagers and young adults becoming atheists or agnostics in today's world? And why would an atheist become a Christian? Join us today as I interview Reverend Dr. Chad Lakees, a pastor and a farmer atheist. Today, he's the Regional Director of North America for Lutheran Hour Ministries. We'll hear about his journey from atheism to Christianity, and we'll discuss how we can share our faith in Christ with others. This is Kay Meyer, President of Family Shield Ministries, and your host for today's program. Welcome, Reverend Lakees. Thanks for being my guest today on Family Shield. Thanks for having me. You have a lot to share with us today, but before we actually begin your story, uh, tell our listeners about your family. I am uh, married to Bethany now for uh, going on, uh, let's see here, 17 years. And I have two young children, a seven-year-old named Annabelle and a two-year-old named Daphne. Kids are wonderful. <laughs> they keep us busy. Well, very they busy at this They keep you age. young, don't yes. they? Yes, yes. Well, you uh, were an atheist. Today you're a pastor working yeah. at Lutheran Hour Ministries. So that's a story in itself. So that's what we want to mainly talk about today. Uh, let's go back to your childhood. Tell us about your childhood and uh, what you learned about God or didn't learn about God during those years. Sure. So I grew up in a nominally Christian family. So my, my father was born and raised Roman Catholic um, but stepped away from the faith in his late teenage years and early uh, period of early adulthood. And um, so I, I started to be raised in a family that was Catholic really in name only. And uh, faith formation for us really took the shape of something more like not going to church regularly, but still it was important to be educated in the faith. So my parents had us in Catholic catechism classes and I ended up being uh, confirmed in the Roman Catholic Church in eighth grade, um, similar to a lot of other Christian traditions. My sister and brother similarly, um, but for me, because there wasn't the stickiness of faith, um, there was nothing really um, that made me think that it was important to keep investing in this while I was at home. Um, I looked for the, the quickest way out that I could, and that was in freshman biology class, encountering the theory of evolution. And from that point on, being also a rebellious teenager at that time, I called myself an atheist just so mm. I didn't have to go to church. Oh, okay. So um, did you really believe what atheists believe at that time? I was developing more in that direction. I definitely had some significant questions and objections um, some of what I learned in the scientific paradigms that were exposed, I was exposed to in those courses in high school really did make more sense than what I learned uh, religiously. Um, I still was fascinated by things like the historical stories. So I always loved every year when Easter would come around and they'd play the Charlton Heston Ten Commandments movie because I – it's just something that trips my trigger. It's an area of interest. So those things were sticky, but it's it's more because of the, the, the historical nature of it than, than really for me understanding the significance that it had for uh, anything like a relationship with God, the significance mm -hmm. of, of Jesus as part of that story and so on. All of those things I ended up learning later. So, yeah, I would say my, my doubts and skepticism are very real. Mm-hmm. One of the things you said to me when we met earlier is that you weren't uh, a 
pushy atheist. That may not have been the term you used, but, you know, you didn't want to ram it down other people's throats. Is that correct? It's true. When I'd be in conversations with other Christians um, and I was exposed to a lot of them, uh, the only time that I really kind of had that attitude was I remember one debate in that that biology class that we had. But really, I was not. I would call him a, a militant atheist hmm. where I was trying to get others to um, come over to my side of things. Um, but I, I guess it was widely enough known that I wasn't a Christian uh, for the people around me. Yeah. And you were in public schools? I was in public schools. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. So um, what changed? You know, you, you today are a Lutheran pastor, but I know that's – a story in itself. Yeah. Uh, when did your when when did you encounter Christians that maybe affected you to help you take the journey of becoming a Christian? Yeah. So there's this parallel thing for me when I was uh, old enough to sit in a chair. Um, I started hitting on the drums. My dad had a little kitty drum set in the basement that he just hung on to from when he was growing up. He never got into it. But that was my opportunity to sit down and just make up some beats. And and for me, I was using it as a toy, but it stuck with me. And when I was able to get into organized music in my school system by fourth or fifth grade, uh, I started playing drums. And then by, by high school, I was playing in just about every ensemble opportunity that I could be in, whether it was part of my school system or outside of it at an arts institute that was local um, and so I just got into percussion and then eventually the drum set and, and that really became my thing. Um, at the end of my senior year, I was playing with a group of guys. We were doing a Blues Brothers cover band and we were rehearsing in the garage of one of the guys who was singing lead. And his mom actually happened to be a Lutheran church's praise team leader. And she heard us playing and took a risk to ask me to come and consider playing drums for their praise team at a Lutheran church while I was still an atheist. Wow. And so we struck a deal. Um, I said that if you pay me to play and we treat it as a gig, I'll come in and, and professionally do what you're asking me to do. It wasn't the first gig that I had, even though I was still pretty young. Um, and, and they said, okay. And I agreed, you know, I wasn't going to come in and, and raise my questions or, you know, make fun of them as Christians or anything like that. Um, I was, I was going to do what they were paying me to do, which is come and, um, support their musical endeavors. And it was really through just that first few months of spending time with those Christians that, uh, I was exposed to a lot of things, right? Being in the environment where the word is preached Mm -hmm. just has power in and of itself. I was, I was around Christians who prayed. Um, you know, they wouldn't make me pray or anything like that, but they also wouldn't, you know, let me escape the room, you know, and run away when they, they had that particular ritual. Um, but probably most of all, I was just around a bunch of nice people mm. who were really glad that I was there. Um, some skilled and talented musicians who'd been doing it for a lot longer than I was. And so they kind of lifted the bar for me in terms of what I wanted to achieve and what I could achieve and helped me just improve doing something I loved. Hmm. So so that's a lot of things for us to remember, especially if we meet atheists. I mean, nice people, <laughs> being around nice people. So even though you were in their environment, church, and you were hearing the word of God 
through the sermons because you were there for the whole service, I would assume. Yes. Uh, and you were seeing them pray. Um, the couple things that you mentioned is that they were nice. They weren't then arguing with you over your beliefs as an atheist. No, and that was probably one of my biggest fears is that I thought they were going to try to aggressively shove Jesus down my throat or or criticize me because there seems to be a stigma that, you know, atheists don't have any sort of good morality or anything like that. And in fact, my parents raised me to be, you know, more or less a person that lived out Christian morality. But they didn't do any of those things. They were just glad that I was there. And and they were also pretty humble and honest. They didn't have answers to my questions necessarily. They knew I had them. They knew I was skeptical, that I had doubts, that I had, you know, these answers that I wanted. But they also knew that they felt somewhat incapable. It was a little out of their league. They were unfamiliar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it wasn't a space for me to find my answers those first few months that I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversion happens in part because of that hospitality. Because they were nice and they were loving towards yeah. you. Yeah. And so – I would add just one more thing to that. For me, playing drums became, you know, kind of a central fabric of my life. And when I sat down and played in church, it was qualitatively different for me than when I played in a lot of other venues. So even as an 18-year-old at the time, I had been in, in bands with high schoolers and we played in these terrible rickety old bars that would have us come while we were underage and and would still let us perform. And I remember sitting on a stage one time with me and my drums, and I didn't know if we'd make it through the whole concert without falling through. It seemed that flimsy. Um, So going from there all the way to the totally different spectrum, um, we, we had a competitive marching band in my high school, and so we'd go all around the state playing at different places, and we'd eventually do the state competition, which was in... Uh, the local NFL football stadium, and and that was a di- totally different venue. And I've done everything that you can imagine in between, classical music and pit orchestras and everything. But playing in church was a place where I thought, gosh, my playing is better here than any of these other places, and I also have more fun. Mm-hmm. And I think for me that was part of the tipping point. I heard these Christians talk about the fact that they believe God created us humans and, and that what we're able to do are gifts from God. And I at least intrigued me enough to wonder, okay, if God created me, if he's really real and he did that, and he really gave me these gifts, right, to play drums, these, these skills, these talents, however you want to talk about them, and when I come to use them in his house, the reciprocal gift that I receive you know, when I use my talents for him is that I enjoy it more and I feel like I'm playing better than in any other setting. That was enough to at least make me consider the possibility. I still didn't have all my wow. answers. Sure. But it was enough. Yeah. So just you realize this talent of playing the drums was better in church. You were doing better. You loved it. You had a, be- a better time. And uh, and the fact that Christians say God gives us our gifts and talents. I mean, talents aren't necessarily the spiritual gifts that he gives us, but some musical gifts definitely 
yeah. is a part of the church. Yeah. Yeah. We don't think about that too often when we talk about spiritual gifts, that the gifts of music mm-hmm. is a, is mm-hmm. a spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gift. Certain abilities. Yeah. That are just normal and in a sense, ordinary. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, not everybody can play drums, but it's not, you know, like speaking in tongues, for example, you <laughs> yeah. know, which we often consider miraculous and extraordinary. Uh-huh. Playing drums is just ordinary. Sure. Yeah. yeah, as as much as being a vocalist or someone who can play piano or guitar. Yeah. So was that really the first step in your process of becoming a Christian? Yeah. So probably I had that gig for six or so months. Mm. Um, and it wasn't long after I turned 19. I was about halfway through my freshman year in college. I went to bed one night and, um, you know, I'd originally wanted God to write it on the wall, you know, hello, Chad, I'm here, or or speak in an audible voice. But these two things, that hospitality I experienced and the the difference in playing drums was enough for me to go to bed some night, not long after my 19th birthday, and say, God, I was still not sure if you're real, but I'll give you a chance. Mm -hmm. And from there, everything changed. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to make a few announcements, and then we'll come back and learn more about your story. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Why Did Jesus Die? To request a complimentary copy, call the Family Shield Response Center at 1-877-250-8416 or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Make sure you give us your complete name and address when you write. The Family Shield radio program airs on more than 50 radio stations each week throughout the United States and is also available through the podcast. We invite your prayers for the ministry and our guest. If you'd like to support our outreach ministry, send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. You can also donate on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. And if you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support us. Go to thrivent.com slash thriventchoice or call Thrivent 1-800-847-4836 and one of their employees will help you. Remember, you choose, but Thrivent gives the gift. Thank you again for your prayers and support. You can learn more about Family Shield at FamilyShieldMinistries.com. Dr. Chad Lakees uh, is my guest, and we're going to continue talking about his journey from atheism to Christianity. So right before I made my announcements, you talked about the fact that you went to bed and said, I don't have all the answers yet, God, but I'm willing to give you a chance. That's really what people need to do when they have questions, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So Mm -hmm. tell us what happened after that. Well, so I dove into studying just about anything that I could. Um, Prior to that, for me, you know, studying and the thought of going to school was really a kind of drudgery. And um, I, I was always able to do, you know, just fine and pass without a lot of work. But Suddenly, um, studying and learning became something that I just dove into and and was voraciously absorbing and devouring about anything theological that I could that was going to help me come to some sense of uh, drawing some conclusions about the questions that I had and trying to answer the skepticism and, and some of the doubts. 
Tell me some of the questions that you had that you really wanted answers to. Um, I wanted to understand, you know, did the resurrection really happen? So I was questioning the the historicity of the Gospels. Um, I wanted to know, is the Bible reliable? Um, It wasn't long after that. If you recall that the Da Vinci Code came out and it raised a lot of questions about the Bible and its accuracy. Um, So I was working through um, a lot of those things. I wanted to figure out what is the relationship between religion and science Um, And I would say my own responses uh, to those questions have only become more nuanced over the years. Um, I'm not the sort of Christian now that thinks um, there is some sort of silver bullet argument that we can make as Christians to convince someone that we're absolutely right. Um, I'm still a person that lives with questions. The knowledge I have um, is provisional until Jesus calls me home or he brings about the end of the age. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a finite human being and I just can't know perfectly and with certainty. Um, I do have deep faith, um, but that's a gift from the Spirit. It's not something I can muster nor something I can uh, cobble together from Mm. theological answers that I can find. That's great. Yeah, I think really if most Christians were honest, they all have questions. But we need to look at God's Word because that's God's truth. Yeah, and I think— God welcomes them, and I, I hope yes, Christians does. can find a church where questions are welcome um, because I don't find God to be insecure. Mm-hmm. Questions don't threaten him, no. um, but we're curious people, many of us, mm-hmm. um, and the more answers that we can come to that, that help us make sense of our life through the lens of the gospel um, help us just, I think, to live with joy on this adventure in the world mm-hmm. that God has put us on. That's right. So eventually, though, you actually decided to become a pastor. Uh, how long into this journey did that take? Really fast. Really? So I got so excited as an adult convert about um, my studies in theology, and um, I wanted to start working with young young people, high schoolers in the congregation where I was playing drums, and so I got involved in that way. Um, it really wasn't long at all, six months or so after I converted, before I felt a sense of, you know, I think I should go to seminary. Mm. And um, the people in my congregation very quickly started to affirm that in me. And, and it was something that I had resisted early on because my mom, growing up in a, in a Catholic family, always asked me, you know, Chad, don't you think you would maybe want to be a priest? Oh. And I don't know if this is my mom just wanting to, you know, think of some noble thing for her son to do. But at the same time, uh, it kind of came full circle when I felt the call to become a pastor in the Lutheran Church and and that my next step from undergraduate studies would be the seminary. Oh, okay. So you went to Concordia Seminary here in St. Louis? I did. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, um, now, when did you meet your wife? Actually, my wife is my my pastor's daughter. So the oh. church where I got involved playing drums, um, the the lady who was kind of in charge of the music ministry was uh, a woman who's serving there as DCE. Her husband was the pastor. They were kind of the primary leaders of the congregation with a few other folks. And uh, I married their daughter, their oh, youngest daughter, Bethany. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. So we had a... 
a bit of a mutual relationship prior to my becoming a member of the church because both of us were involved in the arts at the local public high school, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're about three years apart. And so really it was through mutual friends also involved in the arts that got us hanging out together. Uh, Then I was a drummer at her church. She was singing on occasion in the the musical group and uh, the relationship just took off from there. Wow. So yeah, we started dating when she was young and Got married when she was still pretty young. Nice. But, you know, it's been almost 17 years now. Wow, that's so. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So you uh, went to seminary, and uh, I know you had several other things that you did, but you ended up teaching at a Concordia University for some years before the position you're in now? That's right. So as I was going through seminary, I had a lot of really interesting opportunities that seemed to happen to me accidentally. Um I would say now, obviously, it's God's providence that I'd be involved in such things. But uh, I got involved in helping to essentially restart uh, a congregation in the Midtown St. Louis area and served there primarily as a worship director after my vicarage was done there. And that was a great experience. I learned a ton. We renovated a building. We we tried to start something of an entrepreneurial ministry where there's uh, a coffee house in the sanctuary of the church building that we use, and we would convert it to sacred space on the weekend for our worship services. Um, but it, parish ministry really wasn't the thing that I thought fit me best. I still had more study that I wanted to do as I was finishing up my Master of Divinity And so I wanted to pursue a Ph.D., and I really thought teaching is a better fit for me. Um, So I did that, and in 2012, I was called to serve on the faculty of religion at Concordia University in Portland, Oregon. And I served there for uh, the last seven years. And uh, when I left this past June, um, I was still serving as associate professor and and chair of the religion department. I loved my time there so much. Um, my colleagues were fantastic. I loved the impact that I was, I knew I was making on young people. I was very clearly able to see how God had placed me in this vocation mm-hmm. um, of being a teacher. Um, but I'm excited now to be serving at Lutheran Iron Ministries because I think I've brought a lot of knowledge from those those years of experience and all that study, the the, the accidental essentially mission work, and then yeah. then being a professor, um, my area of interest is in the intersection of church and culture. Sure. And we face a lot of challenges right now of reaching yes, out do. into North American culture. Yep. And and so I'm really privileged that they would call and ask me to come and serve in this very new role at Lutheran Iron Ministries. Um, to help lead the charge for how we do outreach in North America in the 21st century. That's fantastic. Now, we touched a little bit on, and we won't have a lot of time, but but I think uh, the rest of our time we could just talk a little bit about how we share Christ mm-hmm. in the community to those that aren't Christians, maybe used to be and have fallen away. You talked, you touched on prayer yeah. as we talked. You touched on building a relationship. Those people built a relationship with you, and you built a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And that they tried to answer your questions. You said they actually didn't always know, so maybe that was why they were stand, you know, not necessarily pushy. But I think really 
most of the time Lutherans are just friendly people. Oh, yeah. And they were just trying to be nice and build that relationship with you. But what else should we do as we think about equipping the saints to share Jesus with others? Yeah, I think in our day and age, um, imagine uh, evangelism as a long game. You know, something that's going to take an investment of your time over the period of that relationship. And and I really think you should f- give yourself the freedom to have conversations with others where you're just chatting with them about life, talking mm-hmm. about the weather or sports or your kids or what's mm-hmm. going on at work. Um, that builds trust with them. It gives you a space to maybe eventually share something like the gospel but it's a way for you to just be sensitive to them. If they're not receptive at this time, it doesn't mean they won't be in the future. Um, but building that relationship is really uh, a, a critical part. And so just chatting where where Jesus isn't involved is still an evangelistic mm-hmm. act in our post-Christian 21st century. Yeah, you know, Relating to that person as well about... You know, what are your joys? What are what are your 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 sorrows? You know, what challenges are you experiencing? Um, those are further ways that might open a space for you to gain a hearing, mm-hmm. um, to share your faith. Um, and then when they seem ready, look for opportunities to talk about how Jesus matters to you because it will affirm sure. him in your life. And then, you know, maybe past that, Look for a space for them to hear the gospel. To hear the gospel. You know, yeah, when, the gospel when, transforms lives. When you yeah. can share yeah. how Jesus can and should mean something for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's great. But it, it takes time to get there. Sure it does. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. And not every person's going to hear it in the same way. Nope. But you've got a story. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a Everybody story, right? A story. Yeah. All of us came to know Jesus because somebody told us about him. That's right. And... Uh, You've got a story of how he plays a role in your life. And in our age where people want to be understood and heard and loved for who they are authentically, Mm -hmm. um, that might give you a space to share authentically, you know, your story with them. Great. Good suggestions for our listeners as we uh, learn to share our faith in our daily life. And there are so many wonderful ways to do that. And I appreciate uh, uh, Reverend Chad Lakees being my guest today and uh, sharing how he came from being an atheist to being a Christian, later to become a Lutheran pastor, and today Regional Director of North America for Lutheran Hour Ministries. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield Ministries. Learn more about Family Shield at uh, FamilyShieldMinistries.com. You can reach us by emailing us at witness to family at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Again, this is Kay Meyer, and um, we uh, pray that you will uh, continue to walk with Jesus. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.